time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Right Conversations. Today, we are talking all about the morning after pill, and I'm really excited. Now, if you saw the title of this episode and you're like, what? Listen, if you saw the title of this episode and you're like, I've taken that, listen. If you saw the title of this episode and you had a visceral reaction, listen. I am so thrilled to have one of the co-founders of Julie today with us, Amanda Johnson. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Yes. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can you introduce yourself for everybody listening, Amanda? Yes. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Amanda Johnson Morrison, the co-founder and president of Julie Products, Inc. Um, I'm just so excited to introduce this brand to the world. And I think like just my story to get here, hopefully somebody takes something away from it and then we can dive all into morning after pill because I love that conversation. But um, I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. I went to Howard University undergrad, moved to New York in the great recession of 2008 um, and started my career in investment banking. I realized like, I wanted something tangible. I wanted to talk about people's lives and like the products that they use and their customer journey. And so after call it three years, I realized finance was not for me and it was going to always be about marketing and people and consumers. And so I went to Time Inc. I went to business school and got my MBA, moved back to the city, um, worked at Barney's and doing a bunch of like digital efforts. And then I started my first company. And so my first company is called Minted Cosmetics, Minted short for pigmented. And it's all about putting women of color at the forefront of beauty, telling their stories, making products for them. We saw the need, my co-founder and I, in ourselves, as well as our community, that there weren't enough beauty brands specifically talking about women of color and their journeys and, and their needs. And so I fell in love with this passion around giving voice to the voiceless, um, mm. creating space for different stories, um, creating products for different needs, right? Like not just yeah. accepting what was on the shelf and what was a standard, you know, standard quo. And so I just like got really passionate about this idea. And so I worked on Minted for five years um, as co-founder COO. I still sit on the board now. It's a fantastic beauty brand. But after five years, I was like, okay, where else can I take this passion? Like, what is really next for me? And so I, Brian and Julie, my co-founders in this venture of Julie, <laughs> um, <laughs> they were already kind of cooking on the idea a little bit mm. of like, 
you know, they were interested in the health space. They had already seen this opportunity in emergency contraception. And I connected with them because we knew each other from the beauty world. Um, and I was like, you know, what are you guys working on? And they were like, we're working on EC. We, we think this is the next big thing. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly it. Like, I, this is a space in healthcare where I can be additive, right? Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Um, I am a operator who loves products and people. And again, giving like voice and narrative to the spaces that, that are often dark and silent. And so I was like, women's health, that's it. That's the next big area. And so the big idea around Julie is that we are a modern women's lifeaceuticals company. And we say lifeaceuticals because Mm -hmm. there'll be some lifestyle products um, and pharmaceuticals, both OTC and prescription. And we called it Julie because we wanted to personify it. Like we wanted to make healthcare personal because that's what it should be. It should be between you and your doctor, your needs, your body. What do you want to do? And so you know, we were like, okay, how do we build this company differently? And it was about empathy and education and empowerment. And what if you knew how your body worked and the medicinal solutions available to you? Like mind, right? (laughs) So we really have like two big goals. It's like one, change the face and narrative of women's health, give people the words to use, show that there are different ways to be healthy and different ways to live and different choices you can make, right? Like, what if there was just no one face of health and choice? And then I'd say on the other end, from period to menopause, what if Mm. you knew how your body worked? You actually knew the terms. Like, you weren't afraid of fertility. You weren't afraid of all of these things because you knew how they worked and you knew how medicine could help you. And there was this company that existed that didn't just talk down to you about, you know, scary side effects, but actually helped you think through these problems. They were a real friend in the fight. And so that's what Julie is, where you're you know, big sister, cool aunt, older cousin, (laughs) been there, done that. Um, And we just want to help you figure it out. I am obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) I I, like it. Listening to you, I, I started like my heart rate went up. I am so passionate about giving people the information to empower them. And I remember from a psychological perspective, I remember sitting in my master's program being like, why isn't everyone getting these lessons? Like, why do I have to become a therapist to learn how to help people talk? Right. Or or identify an emotion. And it, that's exactly what I'm hearing in in your mission is like, why do I have to be a doctor to understand what my body is going to be doing throughout my life? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it really starts with, in so many ways, we've, we've failed generations and young people. And this is another area where Julie wants to make a difference. I'll I'll just tell you this one step. Yeah. Only 17 states require sexual education to be medically accurate. So disgusting. That is so insane. 17 out of the 50 require it, right? And so therefore, if you don't live in one of those 17 states, whatever education you may or may not even be getting could be whatever the person standing in front of you wants to tell you, whatever the approved curriculum is. It could be abstinence. It could be hold your legs together tightly. It could be literally 
anything. And so then we become adults and we wonder why people are afraid of their bodies and are afraid to get pregnant and don't know what to do. They are afraid of medicine and how it could impact them because we have not set people up to have this conversation. We haven't set people up to think about their bodies holistically in a very like healthy and logical way. And then you become an adult and you just, you know, you cross your fingers and, and hope you make it. Oh, it's that stat I have heard before. And like every time just makes me want to throw up. I, I think that it's um six or seven states that require consent to be taught alongside of medically accurate sex ed. It's insane. I, like, what the fuck are we doing? I don't know. And we're we're asking children to make better decisions for themselves. We're asking parents who were not properly educated either to make yep. decisions for their children. And so on and on it goes. And where we just continue to take out real education from education. Um, and and in the name of what, you know, to, to what end, I don't know. But I do know that almost half of the pregnancies in the United States are un unintended or untimed. And so that's that's the result of Woof. terrible education, right? Yeah. That's the result of people not understanding the medicinal options they have. That's the result of not having healthcare widely accessible and available. Yeah. Um, and, and then we and blame the kid. A hundred percent. Of course, of course we blame the woman. Who else would yeah. we blame? Right. Yeah. God forbid we blame a cis white man. Yeah. Or the system that yeah. he built. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, yeah. And so, that's that's the space we want to be in, though. Like, those are the conversations we want to have. We want to push everyone's thinking of what is and try and move towards a better what could be. And I know it sounds like, you know, lofty and ideal, but I think, frankly, the world could use a bit of that. Um, yes. And so Julie is like, OK, well, how do we do this in a more grounded, real way? We know the majority of Gen Z and young millennials are going to TikTok to research, mm -hmm. like not even just to be entertained, but they are literally using it as a search engine. Yeah. So if I'm 21 and I go to TikTok and I had unprotected sex the night before and I want to figure out like, what do I do the next morning? That's where Julie needs to be. We need to be on TikTok and have the videos and have the medically accurate information from doctors and influencers and celebs in this way that is palatable and shareable and thoughtful and actually gives the person in, you know, a quick upbeat 20 second clip, all of the information they need to make the best choice for themselves. And that's doing healthcare differently. Ugh, I am obsessed. So how has it been going trying to reach these kids and, and teens and young adults? Like what, how has that process been? Yeah, it's been interesting. So we launched about, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. I guess we launched like uh, five weeks ago, which is insane. Um, we have rolled out um, on shelf to uh, in Walmart nationwide. So we're in all Walmart stores, go check us out. Um, that was an intentional choice to be like, okay, how do we actually get this to people in need? So if you live in a major urban city, there are a lot more places you can go. There's you know a greater chance of accessibility. But if you live in the South and the Midwest and some of these other places, it's more difficult. So starting with Walmart was a very intentional choice to say, hey, we're a new brand. We know where you're shopping. We know where you are. Yeah. 
young, old, and everything in between, we want to make sure we are close, right? So like there's a Walmart within 10 miles of like everybody in the United States. So we wanted to make sure accessibility was at the top. The second thing we wanted to make sure of is like digitally, how are we everywhere? So we are developing and continuing to crank out these really interesting like content narratives across TikTok and Instagram. You'll continue to see more from us. We're building out a full content hub. Um, we have a lot of celeb investors um, in, in Julie. And so we're trying to think about how do we use all of these different platforms and voices to amplify the message and reach young people. So you will see right now, you'll see Julian billboards. You'll see us wrapped in buses. We're on benches, you know, like bus benches. We're on that's amazing ads and Hulu ads and Tinder ads. Um, not sure the last time you saw a, a pharmaceutical company doing a healthcare uh -huh. ad, but that's exactly where we need to be, where young people are. And we're seeing the effect of that, right? So we're seeing the sales roll in. We're seeing the awareness um, and being tagged in posts online. You know, we see all the time posts that are like, I walked into Walmart, I needed this drug and I started to cry because it's in a box that I don't feel ashamed to pick up. Uh. And like, those are the unlocks, right? Like that's the moment where we're like, you know, we're doing the exact right thing because we are making it easier for the next generation to make the choices they wanna make. And like, yes. that's the overall impact, right? So can you talk a little bit about the idea of, cause I, so for me growing up as I was obviously very interested in sex, <laughs> hence my, you know, career. Um, and I remember learning about the morning after pill and not fully understanding what it was. Like I, I knew what it was for, but I didn't know what it was. And looking back, that's very scary because I took it once and I took it knowing what it would prevent and what it was supposed to do, but I didn't understand what it was going to do to my body. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about this, this idea of normalizing the morning after pill as like something to have in your medicine cabinet with like your Advil and your other medications as part of like family planning. Yeah. I love this because you're exactly right. Like it is, once you know what it is and what it does, you're all of a sudden like, oh, it's not so scary. It yeah. is one more tool in my, I don't want to be pregnant toolkit. And yes. so, <laughs> right? Like, so, yeah. okay. so the morning after pill, also known as emergency contraception, comes in, um, the morning after pill itself is a specific pill, but emergency contraceptive is like a classification of a lot of different types of medicines. So okay. if you're speaking about the morning after pill specifically, um, you might've previously bought it in a brand called Plan B, mm -hmm. um, but it is levonorgestrel. And it is usually sold in like 1.5 milligrams. That's how you're going to buy it. And it's a single pill, a single dose. So very easy to take. You take it within 72 hours of unprotected sex. And all it does is prevents or delays the egg dropping from your ovaries. So if you don't have an egg, you can't fertilize it and you can't get pregnant. No egg, no fertilization, no pregnancy. So this is really about pregnancy prevention, not to be confused with other medications out on the market that deal with pregnancy. This is about not getting pregnant in the first place. So yes. it's really about preventing a 
normal process that happens in a woman's body in the fertilization cycle, right? Like in your monthly cycle, one piece of that is ovulation. It happens over three days. And it is just an egg being released from your ovary. It sits in the fallopian tube and then it drops to your uterus. And if in that whole process, it is not fertilized and then a fertilized egg is not you know, implanted into your uterus, you start your period. That's how it works. What this pill does is prevent the beginning of that process from happening. So that egg never drops. So um, to be very like explicit, if you are pregnant, this doesn't do anything. This oh, is like... Yeah. This is like emergency birth control pill. Absolutely. If you are pregnant and you take the morning after pill, you will still be pregnant. This is not the pill to take if you are already pregnant. If you are already pregnant, you should go see a doctor. That's your next step. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to become pregnant and you are within 72 hours of having unprotected sex, then emergency contraception, this 11 adjustrol, 1.5 milligrams, is an option for you. And that's okay. the difference. And it's like yeah. about being very clear about that. And so from our perspective, you know, the morning after pill, emergency contraceptive, uh, condoms, pregnancy tests, lube, mm -hmm. all of the things that you might have in your house when you think about like sex that are just sitting in your nightstand or your medicine cabinet and you're like, oh, let me have sex tonight. Where's the lube and the condoms? You should say, oh, where's the lube and the condoms? And do I have some EC on hand? Right. It is just a normal part of um, sex or sex culture or, you know, whatever the classification is these days, because holistically, if you're going to engage in sex, you should think about all of the ways you want to protect yourself and all of the ways you want to, frankly, protect your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What is the outcome of sex? The, if the only outcome is I want to have a good time and I want to feel good and safe about it, then yeah, you should have EC at your home. Um, if the outcome of sex is I want to get pregnant, then you should probably have some prenatal pills at your home. To me, it's it's that logical of like, what are you engaging in and what do you want the outcome to be? And depending on what you want the outcome to be, you should have the appropriate medicine at home. It's not political. It's not more deep or difficult than that. It's just about what do you want? And I think if we just like made it that clear of a distinction, yeah, people would feel more normal making the choices that they wanted to make. So it's not a judgment. We should remove the stigma. If you don't want to get pregnant after you have sex, you should have you know, the morning after pill in your nightstand and in your medicine cabinet or in your purse or in your car. And it should be totally normal and perfectly fine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear hearing you talk about this. I'm like, yes, everyone. I want everyone to hear this. <laughs> there's just there's so much shame because of the lack of education. Yeah. And I'm just really so grateful that you're here and like taking the time to, to break this down. The honeypot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant derived. Powered by herbs and science, the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. 
Check out The Honeypot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on thehoneypot.co. You can enter code RACHEL20, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-0, for 20% off your first Honeypot order on thehoneypot.co. Okay, so is there anything, if people, if someone's listening to this and they're like, cool. Okay. I'm going to get some, I'm going to keep some in my house. And I really want to support this mission of the normalization and the education. What can people do? Like, what have you seen to be things that actually make an impact on moving the needle in the direction that we want to go with this? Yeah. Okay. So I would say three things. One is, um, Follow us on Instagram or TikTok. So at Julie, and and I know it's like, oh, it's a plug for a company. No, this is part of how we normalize things. Yeah. Because if Julie starts to just show up on your feed and it's like funny TikToks from doctors about like emergency contraceptive and other reproductive education, you are normalizing it and you're normalizing it for your friends that are then going to see it because you follow them, they're going to see it on their feed, right? Or you might share one of our posts and then your friends see it. How do we continue to put this in normal everyday conversation? So it's not this thing that we're all whispering about in the back room. That's number one thing. We're all on our phones every day, all day. So we should definitely be looking at like sex education and making sure people understand what their options are. And like an easy way to do that is just to follow Julie. A second easy way to do that is to literally buy the product. So one of the things that we do is for every Julie purchase, there is a Julie donated. And so we're working with the state, local, national partners to make this come true. January will be our first huge donation. We're going to, and we're going to do a whole marketing effort around it. So you guys see who we're donating to, but you would be a part of that. So literally for every Julie purchase, there's a Julie sold. And so that's so cool. This is a great stocking stuffer. Hey, you are now a donor of EC. If you care about this and you want to get into the hands of low-income women who can't afford it themselves or don't have health insurance or don't have the access, this is another great way to get involved, um, to to learn even more about EC and to feel like you're part of something moving healthcare forward. That is a big deal for us. Um, we stand by that. Um, and and look, that's eating into the profits of the company, but that's because we believe in it so much. Like I'm not just making EC for rich people, I'm making EC for everyone. Um, And so so that is part of the Julie difference. So I would say those two things, get us in your feed. So you and your friends start to see it on a normal basis that encourages conversation and normality. And then then buy it because just simply buying it is also donating it. Um, And so we wanted to make that process as seamless as possible. I I'm obsessed. (laughs) So I'm so excited about everything that you're doing. Okay. I have one more, well, two more questions, one actual question, then one wrap up question. If there are parents listening to this Mm -hmm. based on your experience and what you've researched and seen and come across, what is the best way you think for a parent to bring this topic up to their kid? I love this um, because it's we get it a lot actually, and we're about to start doing a lot of work with um, um, pediatricians because this is one of the things that 
parents are like, what do I do? I'm supposed to talk about this, but I'm not sure how. And so frankly, what we have found in talking to pediatricians, the best way to do it is to give them the product. Don't just talk about it, make it real. Um, so what I would suggest is you go to the store, you buy a Julie, it's in a blue and pink, very bright, very Gen Z box. <laughs> and you take it to your child and you say, hey, this is emergency contraception. This, these are the reasons you take it. This is when you take it. And if you take it, these are the side effects you can expect. Um, call me if you need me. Call me and I'll be here. Follow this company and you'll always be able to get information. If you are afraid to ask me, call our doctor or follow this, this feed. And there's always facts um, about how to take it and how to think about it. Honestly, the greatest thing a parent can do is to put the product in their kids' hands and force the conversation. Innuendos, euphemisms, we're just, we're past that. Yeah, it's not landing. It has not, in fact, been helpful based on, you know, some of the stats we talked about before. Yep. Um, so it's about having these real grounded, direct conversations. Um, and, you know, just one other thing, like the world has changed. It used to be when you were 16 um, and you're a girl, you would have your first pap smear. Your pediatrician would tell your parent, take her to the OB, get her a pap smear. That's how it used to be. And then every year you would get a pap. Now the rules have changed. Now it's your, it's your first pap is not recommended until you're 21. Which is so insane. So insane. And now you're not supposed to have a pap until every five years. So even the opportunity for a doctor to tell you about, you know, check in with you and tell you about your body and tell you what you can do. We've, we've pushed that out. And so when you should get this information at 16, you maybe now aren't getting it to 21 or, or much later, oh right? Like, cause now yeah. it depends on your healthcare when before you could, or sorry, your health insurance when before you could depend on your parents. And so we've, parents really have to force this conversation earlier. You cannot depend on a doctor to do it. Certainly you yeah. cannot depend on the school to do it. And so if you want your child to know, it's going to be, it's going to be on you. Oh, I, okay. I knew that, that it went up, but I didn't realize it was to 21. Yeah. I was, I was diagnosed with a four, the, one of the precancerous forms of HPV when I was 19 and had to get the leap procedure where they like burned off the cells because they were potentially going to turn into cancer. Mm. And I, the thought of not having that found and being two years older, like I was getting a pap every year. And when they found them, they were like, we have to get you in immediately. Like it, it was like a, a very fast process. And it's mind boggling to think that there are humans out there just not getting care until it could be too late. Like, what are we doing? We're setting women up to fail. A hundred percent. And frankly, parents should be having these conversations with their daughters and with their sons. Yes. And we can't all genders. That. We've done all genders. We've done so many studies, surveys, and focus groups trying to figure out like what male participation in this process looks like. Less than 10% of men are buying emergency contraception or the morning after pill for their partner after a sexual experience. 
less than 10. So the, the sexual partner with female reproductive organs is the one who this entire burden is on. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've got a lot of work to do. And, and I do think parents are great first stop in this to say, hey, this is about to be an awkward five minutes, but we've got to talk about emergency contraception, period. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Amanda, I am so grateful. Just to wrap everything up, is there anything that we did not get to or that stood out to you that you want to reinforce? Just like floor is yours, ears are open. <laughs> well, I, I'll just throw out this one last step because I, I think it is... Um, troubling. So we talked about how almost half of pregnancies in the U.S. are unintended and, yeah. and ill-timed, right? Here's just the other set to back that up. 19 million plus women in need live in contraceptive deserts in the U.S. So if you guys have heard of like food deserts, that's when, you, you know, there's not enough fresh food for the population. It's the same with contraception. There are places in this country where you absolutely, even with the healthcare centers around you, cannot get care, cannot get contraceptive care. 19 million women. We've got a lot of work to do to not only normalize contraception, to provide access to contraception, and to frankly, not make people feel like a hot, slutty mess because they need yeah. it. Yeah. So it, it, it's on everybody. It's on all of us. And and my goal, my hope is that listeners after this will just start a conversation because the more you talk to people about it, the more you hear everything that people are doing behind the scenes. And, and you probably already know someone in need. Thank you. Amanda, you are uh, just a fucking gem. I'm so, so, so grateful to have you today. And I know that everyone listening gained something. So where can people find you if they want to connect and support Julie, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So follow us um, at Julie on Instagram or at Julie on TikTok. And our website is juliecare.co. Fabulous. Ugh. Well, everyone, you heard it here. <laughs> Go take action around this and share this episode with your friends. Share this episode with your friends who have kids. Share this episode with literally everyone to please get this information out. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. It's great. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.